We've been looking at um, how to tend the fire of God in your heart. But how to tend the fire of God in your heart, uh, because, you know, the Bible in Leviticus, and but the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 6, and the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, and it shall not be put out. A fire shall always be burning on the altar, it shall never go out. And what happens is when you get saved, <clears throat> when God comes to touch your heart or your life or something of that nature, it's like a fire of God comes. And you see that all through Scripture is that wherever God chooses to reside, it's actually represented by fire. You see it in the tabernacle, you see it in the temple, and then we are now. Wherever God chooses to reside, um, He will start it with a fire. And so you see that in the tabernacle, you see that in the, in the temple, when they built the temple, and then His greatest place of residence is actually in a person, and that happens in the New Covenant. It's that He comes to, He only lives in that which He designs. Very, very important to understand, and I don't want to get into that, but He designed the tabernacle. He gave very specific, He designed the temple, and He made you. And He fits the best in you, because you're made in His image. And so He lives in that which He designs, and there's a fire that comes into your heart, and we are called as a people to tend that fire. All through the Bible, you see fan into flame, fan into flame. And so it's not physical fire now, but it's something of God in a person. And you can very easily, the Bible says, we are all epistles known and read by all men. It's like you are a witness, just your life. People looking at you, people watching you. And that's what happens. And you can easily tell those who are on fire for the Lord and those who are Christian, but there's actually nothing going on. And that, and I know we go through hard seasons and hard times, and I totally get that. And so there's no judgment in this room. Please understand, if you hear my words today with legalism, you're not hearing me. I'm trying to encourage you to set people free because that is only up to us. I cannot tend the fire in my wife's heart. I can really try to put it out by certain things I do, but I cannot actually tend her fire. There's something of building a relationship with the Lord that only you can do. So we're looking at how do I, how do I fan this into flame? How do I, how do I keep the, the relationship with the Lord real, current? How do I, in a sense, fan that fire and we started with that last week. So I wonder if you can go to Luke 6. Luke 6. And so I have a, about a 40-minute time here with you now, so let's just run and try to do that. Luke 6, verse 46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, this is what we spoke on last week, and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, and laid the foundation on the rock. And as I said last week, there comes a time in every person's life who claims to believe in God, or especially when God gets their attention, is that they have to dig deep. You have to, at some point, dig past churchianity, church culture, the belief of your pastor, the relationship God has with, you know, others around you. You have to even then dig, you know, go a little bit past and dig past the faith that you were raised in, not in terms of different faiths, but in terms of you cannot live off the faith of your parents. And you have to slowly start to dig, and eventually you will hit bedrock, where you've dug deep. And sometimes in your life, you have to dig deep, yeah? And when you've dug deep and you've developed something in God for yourself, and it doesn't come overnight, and you dig deep and you hit bedrock, and when you hit bedrock, that's where you lay your foundation. And it's in that place that God meets man and man meets God. And only that place. 
So you can get blessed, you can get touched. I can lay hands on Dwayne and the power of God can, can hit him because he so desperately needs it. No, I'm just, but we can do that. But that it will only last for a little while. Who's, we all know this. You've been to conference after conference. It only lasts for a little while because no one else can build your house. And it says here, and when the flood arose and stream beat, and we know the story, and then the guy who built his, hand, his house on the sand, it fell down. Little children's story we all sang. The point is to dig and build before the storms of life come. They will come. And most of us only start doing that when the storms come, and it's too late, and we have no house, and then we blame God. And that started in the garden. Adam wasn't blaming Eve. He was actually blaming God. It's the woman you gave me. In other words, I mean, you gave it to me. If you didn't do that, just saying, that probably wouldn't have happened. Right? He's blaming God, not Eve. It's a snake you made, God, Eve said. And so we start blaming him for stuff that has nothing to do with him because he's, and Jesus is not trying to rebuke. He's trying to encourage us. Dig in every season. Build well, build strong, build for the long term. Because I've seen people on fire for God for a year, two years, three years. But 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. What did these people know? And let me tell you, I don't have time to get into it. Just break that doctrine in your mind that they were more special than you that there was only a certain season, please break that stuff. That's from the enemy. Friends, they, they men and women, what did they know where Paul can get whipped 195 times and stay on fire? What did they know? They had truth, truth in here. What the gospel had done to them. There's a difference between what the gospel does for you, what the gospel does to you, what the gospel does in you very different. Most Western Christianity is what has the gospel done for me? And that's why humanism is penetrated and it all revolves around us. The gospel is done for you. Yes, it sets you free from sin. Yes, you've been justified by grace, which is so important. You know how I feel about that. Unless you get that, you ain't going nowhere. All these things that God has done for you, and it's amazing, and it's, it really is phenomenal. And only that can, be, it can only be revealed. It cannot be convinced. You have to, it has to be revealed. But when the gospel is done to you, what has it done to you? It's killed you. Your old man born under Adam, that has to die. The gospel does that to you. It kills the old flesh. It kills it so that the spirit can begin to rule and you can begin to live in freedom. And what the gospel is doing in you is transforming you into the image of Christ. And when we start to understand that, then the gospel can flow through you. Very important. So how do we practically, now last week I was very practical. How do we, pra and we went through that scripture very slowly. You dug a house and so forth. How do you practically build well to tend that fire for the long term? And last, first one we went last week, you need revelation. There's another time that Jesus spoke about building on a rock. Matthew 16, on this rock you shall build, and we did that last week, I don't want to go over it this week. But unless we get revelation, it won't last. We need revelation. Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. All revelation is supernatural in origin. Otherwise, it's intellectual assent, and someone will convince you of something different. Christianity can never be a debate. Please stop, get off the Facebook, get off the social stuff. It's not helping anybody. 
It's not. People just get further entrenched in their whatevers. It has to be a touch of God. Otherwise, it ain't real. And let me tell you, you don't want to try to convince someone about God because that's unfair to them. Yes, we want to preach the gospel, but if I'm fighting with someone, I'm expecting them to believe, but what's happened to me is not happening to them. Pray for them. What's more powerful, to speak to man about God or God about man? Both important, but prayer comes first. Pray for them, God. Encounter them, touch their lives, show them that it's real, whatever the case may be. But you need revelation. Amen. I had notes once. What else do you need? We'll go back to Luke 6. Luke 6, we're going to read now. I'm going to try to cover this topic in one week. Help me, Lord. You see in Luke 6, verse 27 to 36, he speaks about people, how to deal with people. Literally, how to deal with people. Then in verse 37 and 38, he continues to speak about people. Verse 39 to, the, to verse 42, he continues to speak about people. And then in verse 43 to verse 45, he speaks about a tree. Very interesting. And that's, this is our text for last week and these coming weeks. The tree is actually speaking about your identity, which we'll cover next week. But he's saying, then he goes into build on the rock. What is he trying to say? These things will help you build well. How you deal with people and know your tree, know your identity, and build well. That's what he's going through. So we're going to deal with people today, other people. And everyone gets excited. Friends, in order to build well, you have to deal with relationships. You have to, because the stuff of life that puts most people off is other people. And yet the gospel is about them, not, a, you know. And one of the things we will battle is relationships. And there's four different types of relationships, and I won't get into that. We've taught much on that. But I want to focus today on this text. Let's go to verse six, uh, 27, 627. But I say to you who hear, what's that? That's revelation. Revelation comes from his voice. And life comes from his voice. Creation comes, came from his voice. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. We could stop there and be like, okay, well, that's interesting. Did Jesus do that? He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he was quiet. He opened not his mouth. Love those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, on the one cheek, offer the other also. Famous verses. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. You know, that scripture once turned my life inside out and upside down, that little scripture. Because in South Africa, where I grew up, every single traffic light has about 15 to 20 uh, people that will pursue your car like mosquitoes. I mean, it's just like they will descend upon you and ask for money. And that scripture, the Lord said, I want you to do that for a season. Man, I just gave everything I had away. And then the greatest season of blessing came after that. I literally started giving stuff away. I didn't even have money left, just gave stuff away. They asked, I gave. 
Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you do also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil, therefore be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. All right, now, those are impossible things. We read that, and we're like, well, that's great, and it's very easy for me to read that and preach, this is what you must do, and off you go, and you'll find that they're impossible. And so I look good and you look bad. And again, we have this guilt cycle in the church and no one becomes free. Not helping. That's not helpful. And that's what I, you know, we all grew up with some measure of that. And as I read that, I realized the number one issue is the, is the fact that most people, and I'm not saying you, you guys are obviously all perfect. We're talking, we're talking about everyone else. Is there's a lack of an understanding of the gospel. It again comes down to the gospel. It will always come down to the gospel, specifically when other people are involved. Because if it wasn't about that, that looks impossible. But friends, the last thing you want to do is pray a prayer to go to heaven. That's not Christianity. I wrote you, the gospel is not about surviving. And I'm going to read a little bit of my notes to you today. And I don't normally do that. But I want you to hear my heart. And on this topic, people can so easily hear what I'm not saying, and they'll shut down. So I'm going to stick to safety today. The gospel is not about surviving. It's not about God taking care of us. And if that was true, then we only press into God at our lowest point. And as soon as the problem goes away, we stop. That's not the gospel. Jesus invited us to follow him, to follow him, not to pray to him only at times, not to do this, to follow. And there's this thing in Christianity that is so easy, well, that was Jesus, Jesus did that stuff, that's not for us. Friends, either Jesus is our example or he's not. And for those who like doctrine, I'll give you a few scriptures, Romans 8, 28, and they're in context and we can talk about this another time predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's pretty straightforward. You're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. 1 John 2, if any man who says that he abides in him ought to walk even as he walked. The Bible, I just said Bible because it's in so many places. You will do what I do if you believe. That's all over the New Testament. John 20, as the Father sent me, so I sent you. 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so will we in this world. Not as he was, as he is, so are we in the world. Ephesians 5, 1, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love. Walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us. That seems impossible. What's the point? I believe, and I said this last week, what we need to tend to fire, obviously we need revelation. Second, we need to understand how to deal with people and how to, how to walk the gospel out with other people. 
And that's what Jesus is talking about. And you can only do that when we come to a fundamental understanding that God is making us into something. He has called us to become love. And I know that sounds like, and I'm not talking love in terms of sexual impurity, and I'm not talking love in terms of hippie or new age. Real love. That's actually what he's making us into. Because God is love and we are made in his image. And his image is what was lost at the fall. It was the image of God in man. We, we retained our physical, we understand, but there was a supernatural spiritual death that took place and we lost something and fallen human wisdom became. And what was, you know, from that point, it is there are things that seem right to a man, but in the end it's the way of death. And from that point, what seemed right to a man was often opposite what actually is true. And when you get saved, that all changes. I wrote you, because if your motive is to go to heaven, it's going to be like hell on earth until that time comes. Look at the church, friends. The statistics in the church and the world, in many categories, exactly the same. The Christians just handle it with less grace because they're offended at God too. These things are true. If the point... If your motive is to go to heaven, it's going to be hell on earth until that time. Why? Galatians 1 says this. He gave himself for our sins so that he might deliver us from the present evil age. And I've talked much on the scripture. Most of the time the Bible speaks of forgiveness of sin. It's talking about salvation because of what's to come. There's a few verses that say, talk about the forgiveness of sin. Salvation for here, for now. Part of the purpose of you being saved is that you set free from everything that surrounds you. It no longer affects you. It no longer touches you. Seems unrealistic. Am I living up to that level? No. But that doesn't change what I see in Scripture. I cannot preach what I'm living. I preach Scripture. Obviously, I'm living. I'm working. But I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect. But I preach what Scripture says. And the Bible says, He died for your sins so that you may be set free from the present evil age. Everything around you including people. I wrote you, I'm not a Christian for what God has done for me or what he will do for me. Please hear me, friends. I'm not a Christian for what God has done for me or will do for me. I'm a Christian so that I can be made more like him. We know that, conformed into the image of Christ. Be, re be renewed, the renewing of your mind to conform. Be no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind Okay? because he made me in his image. And redemption actually means bought back, bought, you have been bought with a price. Hello? You've been bought with a price. It means bought and brought. This is what redemption means. Bought and brought back to original value, like Adam before he ate the tree. That is actually redemption, brought back, taken back. As if we never ate the tree. It's not a Christian for blessings. It's not a Christian for favor. It's not a Christian even for heaven. Those are byproducts. We are born again for his sake and his namesake. To demonstrate God. To bear his image again. That what was lost. To bear his image again on the earth. And I know some of you are looking at me. I can, and you're like, what, are you, what does this mean? What are you talking about? There's a place of freedom in God where you can actually read Luke 6. And it's not impossible. It's exciting. And it's not 
well, that's for the special few. Friends, we have to under, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of the gospel. And I'm hoping I'm being, hope I'm being clear. When we, operate, when we operate outside of an understanding of the gospel, it's why so many things are broken. Really is. It's why so many things are broken. So we come to God to be fixed. God never wanted to fix us. He wanted to kill the old man, create us new, not fix, kill, and transform us into his image. And so we come to God to be fixed, but he didn't want that. It's to think differently, to, motiv- to be motivated differently. 2 Corinthians 5, to be compelled by love, real love, to live differently. So I die to myself so I can become who I actually am. And yet, when I look at the church and when I look around and even parts of my own life, it's still this rat race while well, I'm trying to find myself. And, I, you know, and she said, but you don't know what she said, but you don't know how they did this. When I was a kid, this happened and, and all these kind of things. And, but so what's actually happening? We're allowing everybody else to potter our image. We allow everyone else to be the potter except God says, I'm the potter, you're the clay. I shouldn't have to... How do I say this without... Freedom doesn't mean... I'm only okay when everyone's doing me right. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. That's not the gospel. And that's hard, because straight away we have stuff go off in our head. Yeah, but you don't, but you, well, what happened there? Well, love did a 180 when Adam ate the apple. And love became self-serving, self, I wrote it down somewhere, help me Lord. Self-justifying, self-defending, self-deserving, self-serving, self-proficient, all about us. And that's why God, Jesus said, if any man must follow, follow. If any man must follow me, he must deny himself. Not saying you can never think for yourself. No, he's saying if you must follow me, there's a part of you that has to die. That's who you're born under Adam. That has to die. So you can get born again and made new and live by that. And it's more important about being righteous than about being right. And if you look in marriage, man, it's all about who's right. But I'm right. It does not matter. It's not about being right. If Jesus focused on who, be, who was right, we'd all be done. It's not about being right. It's about who's righteous. And you were made righteous so you can live from your spirit. And you can actually begin to love, really love. And that's the gospel. You see this so highly expressed in marriage. And I didn't mean to talk about marriage today, it just is obviously coming out of me. Honestly, it's not in my notes. Friends, God made one person out of clay, one. Not two, one. He reached into Adam and reached into God in Adam and took out woman. Out of man, he took out woman. There's this context in Scripture. Throughout Scripture, it says, we were all in Adam. Who knows that Scripture? Or we were all in Abraham, saying, even though we weren't born, we were in him because we came from him. Eve was in Adam before she, she was in Adam. And God reached into Adam, into God in Adam, and took out Eve. Why? So that in marriage, the two become together again. And the two become one. The fullest expression of the image of God.
And then we can't even say, I love you, without do you love me attached to it. That's not love. That's I need you. And you better say I love you back. Real love. Real love. That comes from the gospel. Nowhere else. And we are called to become it. Then you read Luke 6, and you're like, that makes complete sense. Before you read that with fallen wisdom, and you go, that's impossible. That's how Jesus lived. And it takes time. <laughs> it takes time. There's a, there, I understand. We're not, uh, we're not there like that. Not even Paul was. Paul 3. I mean, Paul 3. That's heresy. That doesn't exist. <laughs> Philippians 3 says, Not that I've already attained, but I press on. To, I'm becoming like something. I'm becoming like someone. And as much as if, sorry, Jess, is, you're right there. If Jess hits me and that changes in my world, in my day, in my everything, then she is forming me instead of the Lord. And people can only form something into themselves. She's making me like that. And I'm allowing it. I've given her the keys to my life. I said, you rule me. You have the authority because everything you do causes everything in me. And then you've got to be like this so, so I can be free. Imagine Jesus, friends, on, yes, the cross. I wish I could jump up. The, if I flew up there and took it down, then you'll all really listen. Anyway, if I have the cross and I'm walking and I'm just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. Peter said, you said, Peter, you would never deny me. Yeah, whatever. They all walked away from me. They all did this. They did this. I'm done. And he puts down the cross. Forget you guys. You're, all, you're never going to change. You haven't changed, but now you're not going to change. You're going to go to hell. Yeah, whatever. Goodbye. Don't see that in the Bible. And it's funny when we say, we say well, that's Jesus. But just, it should be as funny if it was us. We learn that from the world. We learn that we are raised with the world system, with worldly thinking. We are raised with human thinking that entered into the fall. You're born under Adam. With, that, with those emotions are not even God's emotions in you. Because, as I said, I keep saying, Genesis 8, the imaginations of a man's heart are evil from youth. That's not God's design. So that came from the tree. That came from the fallen nature. When you get saved, that turns, and you become who you actually are. And you can live for God, and you're becoming something. You're becoming. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you. He's making you. He's forming you. He's transforming you so that you can love. And you'll find the greatest evangelism, real evangelism, is not when you look for results. It's when you love. Not, I'm really loving you, and you pretend to love, pretend to love, and you can pretend to love for long enough so that they listen to you. Come right already. Come on, just change the way you're doing. So, you know, look, I'm helping all these people. Real evangelism is love. Love. Bible says faith expressed through love. So when I lay hands on the sick, when I'm walking the street and I see and I can demonstrate God in that person's life because I love them, that's when authority is actually released through love. Because God is love. 
and you're made in his image. Do we love so we can get love? No. We love because he first loved us. Do we show mercy to get mercy? No, because we were shown mercy. That's what he just said. Therefore be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do we forgive so we can be forgiven? No, we forgive because we are forgiven. Friend, what I receive from God, please hear this, what I receive from God, I am called to become in God. This is why understanding grace, understanding the gospel, is so vitally important, because otherwise you will hear the words that I'm speaking, and the only way you can accomplish them is through human effort and flesh. And so you try and try and try, and you figure out very fast, I can't do this, this is ridiculous. So I'm a nothing, and I'm a no one, and I don't know how those people do it. And you become totally guilt, condemned, and everything, and it's not meant to do that. It's not meant to do that at all. It's opening Scripture and saying, what's possible in God? What do these men and women know that the church has forgotten? What is the gospel actually about? What is Jesus really like? Because churchianity, people are done with that, including me. There's a process of becoming, of being transformed into the image of God, into everything that was lost, and that is what redemption is, so that we can walk as he walked. So that, not about the power. Everyone says we can be, you know, because the Bible for me, theologically, is absolutely clear that Jesus wants us to walk like he walked. Clear. But everyone only says that in reference to his acts. What about in reference to his heart? Because that was Jesus' real strength, was the heart of God, the heart of his Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what the Father is like, look at me. And what does it say here? But love your enemies, do good, and land hoping for nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. You don't become sons because you do those things. It's saying a person who does those things is acting like a son. Why? Because when we deal with people and we let them put out the fire of God through offense and bitterness and you don't understand but they did but my wife this and then we get together with another guy whose wife's doing him bad too and then we talk, well yeah, just women are crazy or whatever and this whole process begins to start when actually I'm called to be loved to her. I'm called to be Christ. And the first thought we go of, yeah, but if she would. Friends, there's a whole realm of the gospel that we haven't understood. And let me just say, I'm not talking about abuse, obviously. And I'm not talking about little kids. Kids, no. My four, five, six, whatever, how old they are, mine, mine, mine. You don't sit down and explain to them how to become love. You understand? I'm talking about Christians, adults. We have to know why we are Christians. There is so much discouragement and anxiety and stuff because we have forgotten what we were saved for. We really have. And I write you, if your blessing leaves and we get mad at God, we haven't understood the gospel. 
I'm all for signs and wonders and power. You ask anyone, I know. I've seen them. God's graciously allowed them to flow through my life in many seasons and still does. That's amazing and it's awesome. But friends, go to 1 Corinthians 13. You don't have to turn there now. Go there in your spare time. The language there is too crazy to believe. Five the tongues of men and of angels. But have not love. I'm a, I'm a clanging cymbal, a sounding brass. If I have the faith, now I'll speak to you next verse. Although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries. How many mysteries? All. All mysteries. All knowledge. Not some. All knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could move all mountains. Friends, that's John G. Lake. That's William Branham. That's Smith Wigglesworth. That's your spiritual hero. That's Christ. Like that. That's the level of we probably have never seen. That's Paul. But if I have not love, I have nothing. <laughs> so we all flock to someone who can do that, which I totally understand because I'm all about the presence of God. But are they becoming love? Are they actually becoming love? And you cannot love like that by yourself. You cannot. That's why we have to understand grace. Because otherwise this becomes so legalistic. And then what happens is it turns in on us. You heard Clayton. I don't really feel you loving me like that right now. Well, that's a mess. You, you know, and we all do it. Your heart. Your own heart. And I don't know why, but relationships, why do I preach this stuff? Jesus said this. And he said this because he knew what was coming. Because he knew to tend the fire in your own heart. The thing that's going to kill it fast is other people. And you know what? That's who the gospel is intended for. So if you cannot get over other people, how are you ever going to reach them? How are you ever going to reach out and touch and let the gospel come? Yeah, but... They just did this, and they did that, and they did this. Love them. And the church needs to sort this out so we can actually be the church and preach the gospel. <laughs> i tell you when I learned this. I was 11 years old. I thought I was nine. I, did, I said this to my wife the other day. And it's something that's so in me. I, had, uh, I was trying to kick. I was playing soccer, and I kicked in. We were... We didn't have money, so we were playing on, on stone. And I kicked in. You know that thick part of your skin underneath your big toe, that whole, that whole piece like moved and came off? It was pretty painful. So I went to the doctor. They had this like big pad, you know, underneath my foot in my shoe. And, you know, you're funny. And there was this bully at school. And I was, believe it or not, I was a small kid. And, um, and every day I would get to school and he would jump on my foot. Wham! And I'd, uh, you know, and it's a little... Like, you know, that side of town where we grew up, so a little tough, rough, and so forth. And uh, so my, I went home, and I said to my, you know, my mom, Mama, and my dad said, you know, send him to me. And I thought, you know, this is, you're going to have justice rain down on you, friend. My dad's going to get you. And uh, he was like the school, you know, no one liked him. And my dad said to me, son, how painful is it? And we started going through. I said, it's bad. It's not that bad. You know, it's sore, but it goes away. He said, and, and some of you will freak out at this. He, he, you all know my dad, he's a good father, okay? So you weren't there, just 
think the best of him. He said, um, I want you to let him to keep doing this to you. And I said, Dad, what do you mean? And I was like, what? And I'll never forget this. And he said, I want you to love this boy. I want you to love him. He said, son, he's hurting. He's got a problem. He said, if it's not that bad, I want you to love him. No matter what he does, I want you to be kind to him. I want you to love him. I want you to give him your food, whatever. It took about a month. And I went out of my way to be nice to this kid. And it was awful. I mean, I was a kid. But my dad, as a good father, was teaching me something. And one day this kid turned around and he said, why are you so nice to me? And he literally like broke down and fell apart in front of me. And he never hurt me again. The Bible says if you do this, you will pour coals into their lap. Now that's not the point, but I learned something. I learned something. A lot of the time when you're trying to get your own, you're prolonging exactly what's happening to you. <laughs> you can love. You can love. And you know, Jesus here, he continues to speak and he talks actually about that. But you can love because we are becoming something. And I know this is just a part, a, a, a part of the gospel. But to become love, real love, to become, to bear his image again, what was lost at the cross, I mean what was lost in the garden and was gained at the cross. Friends, the image of God in a person, on a person, to become love. If the church understood this one thing, the fire in that church, the power, the presence, in that person and it's hard and I said to my wife yesterday I said love I, I mean promise you I don't have this down it's, it's not a thing that you well now I've got that friends that's how we think it's a transformation into his image that it's just I'm living with the Lord it's a constant I'm living with God and there's a constant dying and that's such a horrible word but God's not asking you to die to anything that you even want He's asking you to die to the person you were born under Adam. That's not even who you are. The person you get born again, that's new creation, new life, new, new mind, the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the heart of flesh instead of the heart of stone. That's when you get born again, spiritual regeneration, which the unbeliever does not understand. That's why don't debate with them, because the Bible says their mind has been blinded. So you can sit and argue, and they cannot see it, because no revelation has come. But when, when God says die, it's just so that that old thing can die, so that you can actually be the new person. When the Bible says you're a new creation, the word there is species. You're a whole new species. You have God living inside of you. You've been equipped with everything you need for life and godliness. The problem is when the gospel isn't understood, these are basics. Yet it's never talked about, it's never preached. When the gospel isn't understood, humanism has entered, and it's all about being, you know, well, I went to, the, went to the pharmacy, and man, God made a parking space for me. Now, that may happen, and that's awesome. That's wonderful. But if that's the limit, and that's because I have favor. If that's the expression of your Christianity, friends, I weep for you. Because there's a whole relationship that you're missing out on. 
When God came to Abraham, Galatians 3, God preached the gospel in advance to Abraham. He had our covenant without Jesus, without the mediator. He had our covenant. The Bible's, anyway, I don't want to get onto that. He preached the gospel in advance to Abraham. Was Abraham a Jewish man? No. Abraham was a moon-worshipping, idol-worshipping man that lived in modern-day Iraq, and he's living there, and God comes to him, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Do you believe me? I believe you. Righteous. You're righteous. And then what did he say to Abraham? Abraham, I am your great reward. Not what I'm going to do for you. Not the money you're going to have. He was wealthy. He was Bill Gates of today. You understand? For him to go and speak to kings and stuff that he did, he was a Bill Gates. He said, Abraham, I am your great reward. Me, the person, me, God, you and me. I am your reward. Not the stuff I give you. Not the right. Me. But unless you understand that you're made righteous, you won't ever experience me. Because as soon as you sin like Adam, the fallen nature in you will cause you to run away instead of run towards. And so you will long for power. You will long for presence because you've had touches of it in your life. And people have, and you think, God, if they can do it, I can do it. Because you don't have no partiality and you pace and you pray and, oh God, come God, come God. And it's absolutely, and that'll change and that'll change. But if we just took time to understand the gospel, you're fighting for everything you already have. That's exactly what Satan did to Adam. If you eat that, you'll become like God. He was tempting him with what he already was. The Bible says Adam was made in the likeness and the image of God. The word in the Hebrew is twin. Doesn't mean God was, Adam was God, he wasn't. But man, he's the greatest expression of God that ever walked the face of the earth to this day even. Greatest thing, and then obviously now in the new covenant, then the second Adam came, obviously Jesus, but you understand? He was such an expression. And what did the devil tempt him with? Well, if you eat like that, you'll have wisdom. The devil wasn't lying. It was just fallen human wisdom. And then you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. <laughs> and he lost. He lost. Oh, friends, we have to end. I wrote you, we shouldn't need others to be something so that I'm okay. That's not freedom. That's not freedom. Can I read again? You all right? But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you, to him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. From him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks. Get down to verse 35. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Everyone says, I want to operate like a son and a daughter. And what they're talking about is power. What they're talking about is, I want to heal like a son, of, son and daughter of God, because that's what we are. But what about the heart of God? What about his heart? Because when you encounter people, you know, sadly, when I've reached out to some people, and I'll end with this, when I've reached out to some people in the Starbucks or wherever I am, because Christianity is not this, you understand? This is technically supposed to be a halftime meeting, which should all, all be taken up with testimonies and just sharing the word and what God's doing in our lives, and we go, I can continue to do it. That's my dream. 
But when I reached out to people and I prayed for them or I've done something or I, or I just pay for this, I say, what are you? I'm a Christian. You're not a Christian. Christians don't act like that. That's the perception because the gospel has become about us. I remember one time I prayed for this young man and he was in drugs and I just said to him, just, I just want to pray for you. And he said, why? So I said, I cannot explain it to you. Just come here. He was a little smaller than me, so I just pulled him. Come here. And I pulled him, and he was like, okay. And I said, be quiet. Close your eyes. And, you know, I could do this. He was 14. And he said, fine. He closed his eyes, and I laid hands on him. He started to cry and weep. And I said, what's going on? He said, I feel feel like a waterfall of love. He said, I'm not alone anymore. I'm not alone anymore. Love. You know? Love. (laughs) Therefore be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and he goes on. We'll get into that next week. I encourage you, go home and read Luke 6. That's our text. Why? Because to tend the fire and the flame that God has put in your heart, we have to understand that it's going to require revelation. It's going to require revelation to be burned and imprinted in your heart. And you're going to have to sometimes dig deep and develop something on the bedrock and the foundation of your life because when the storms come, the Bible says, not if. And I said this last week, go and study the whens and ifs of Scripture. When you pray, when you fast, when the storms come, if you sin. Just look at it. It's an interesting study. And when that begins to come, and it will come, we are so shored up because we've met God. We know God. I've seen so many people that have been to seminary, and forgive me if this offends you, and don't know God. Just don't. They have knowledge, and knowledge puffs up. But they don't know God. Doesn't mean they won't help a person that does, but they don't know Him. And when they stand in a situation, like Jesus said, you are representing God to those people. You're representing your father. You will be like sons. When you reach out and touch people, you need to think, I'm representing my dad here. His heart. Heaven help us if their ears are closed because of us. And how foreign is it to a person when they offend you, hurt you, spitefully, and you just love? How foreign is it in a family? How foreign is it How otherworldly is it? And it's the greatest tool to pierce through any wall, to pierce through any barrier. That's why nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the New Testament, because we don't have the covenant that people had in the Old Testament, does the rebuke of God lead to repentance? Nowhere. The kindness of God. The kindness of God leads to repentance, just like that bully. The overwhelming kindness and the love of God leads to repentance, New Testament repentance. It changes the way you think. The kindness of God renews your mind to think better, 